0: Yo, and welcome to the 78th episode of Lake Average a Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clemente, a.k.a. Melo underscore Magikarp, and joining us once again is the up-and-coming Tord Recklev, fresh off of winning a regional in Peoria, Illinois, which I have been told is in fact a place. Tord,
1: how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. We're doing, uh, doing excellent today. Thank you for
0: being here, Tord. You are always one of the most requested individuals on the podcast, and I think there's an answer to that that everyone needs to know. Tord, you
1: stream. What is your Twitch channel called? I'm currently streaming for TCG Parks. You can find me on Twitch under TCG Park. Um that's uh, that's the one. So, uh I do stream pretty frequently these days as well, like almost every day. The I'm streaming like on average like five days a week um so when i'm out traveling i'm trying to like add a little bit extra like when i get back but when i'm when i'm traveling obviously we'll we'll miss a couple days of uh when i play the tournaments but then maybe they have official strips that maybe i can like stream stream from there instead you know fight by play you never know that's uh that's what i'm up to these days
0: ooh are we gonna get a co-stream this weekend for salt lake city
1: Oh yeah, that's the thing. I was I was hoping to um uh, to like get to watch and uh, and stream and and have some sort of watch parties. Maybe, maybe. that would be fun. Oh, I'm in. I'll definitely be there. Since I won't be at Salt Lake City, I need something to do.
0: <laughs> but, fair enough, fair enough. We got a very special episode for you today. I had to lead with that. Normally, that's the closing, right? But I feel like people still don't know that towards streams. And there's like a lot of people in the chat right now, right? But like, there should be more. There should definitely be more. Because you just want a regional toward. And you want a regional with a deck that you streamed. So I'm curious, how did you prepare for Peoria? And what made you actually come to the decision to play the Lost Zone box with the three vacuums and four Path of the Peak? Something that you willingly leaked on stream. So how did you actually come to this as your deck choice?
1: I mean, like, it's, it's hard to not combine uh, some testing and, uh, like, on, on stream, right? It, it kind of has to be done, right? I can't be too secretive about, about everything. So it will, it will obviously overlap here and there. And um, I um, was testing just a new engine, right? Like, we haven't had, uh, like, such a new, different engine in, in many years, I think. So I I really just want to get as much testing in with that as as possible, and um, so I played a lot of it. I I was pretty set on wanting to bring something with the new engine for the event, um, trying to take advantage of like me having played the game for so long, right, and like being um, like hopefully more adaptive when something new comes out than than others, and maybe I could like try to build a deck that um or a list that w- would be a little bit o- more optimized than others and maybe include cards that um were not as commonly played. Uh talking about like the the choices in that list, I choose to go with heavy pads over the Pokestop and the Cancelling Cologne. Um like Pat is like in general just a stronger card than what canceling Cologne is. So you do miss out on the Pokestop effect, obviously, right? But um pokestop is not a card i enjoy to play either because it's it does so random right some games that you can just like completely screw you over and you have to build your deck very different when you run pokestop you have to run like palpad and rod and and stuff like that um just in case pokestop is mean to you and i i, I didn't want to like play the game like that it's um oftentimes just too too much variance than for my liking so uh like, PAD made a ton of sense to me. Like, a really solid card overall. Blocks down almost every deck in, in the format. Um, and it also has a really great synergy with, uh, like, what the deck tries to do. You try to, like, lock down your opponent's engines, right? So Sableye, super good against. Bidoof against Sobols, right? So you lock down that. And if your opponent has something big in play, like a big engine, right, uh, that are not that easy to shut down, Crobat, V uh, Max. Like any anything heavy, right? then Pat actually takes care of that again, so then you have a very effective threat uh, against uh, to shut down both uh, or like all engines that your opponent can possibly play again. Um, so uh, that's uh, that, that was like the main plan, and uh, I just like I t- I just played the deck a lot and changed cards as I went, and that was uh, that was like the main thing and that, that's how I ended up with. With a deck like that, in the end, i'll also like include those those cross structures though, which were also pretty good. I uh, I I, th- I think those were great.
0: So, as you said that, I'm curious: is your approach with the deck as like a disruptive deck? Because you have the Sableye to pick off the engines and stuff like that. Is this? less of like a oh i'm gonna take six prizes as fast as possible obviously you need to but more of a like okay i'm gonna try and stop my opponent from playing the game and then run over them like is that kind of a mentality you get into when you're playing this specific list
1: like just in general i think that like when you play a card game a lot of the battle is uh, about trying to find the cards you need each turn right and it's the same thing for your opponent so if you are very focused on engines when you play the game, uh, like when you build your list yourself and uh, uh, when you play against your opponents, then um, you can you can make a lot of stuff happen if you focus a little bit on like just shutting down your opponent's engine. Because if you're just running into your opponent's active all the time, then that's that's usually what your opponent wants to do as well. That's how their deck functions. So um, if you if you're able to, um, you don't have to always play the game as uh, as straightforward as that, as attacker knocks out attacker until all well, the prices are gone, you can also um, disrupt your opponent by going after the engines. That's that's like a kind of cool side quest you can go for if you want a different uh, different price trade here.
0: I've never heard anyone describe a TCG as having a side quest.
1: <laughs> so
0: a little bit more about prep then. So you were into the law zone engine because you thought you could have something better. Than everyone else like you thought you could build the deck and play it better than most other people at the start of a format is that specific like is that just oh this is so different i'm going to take advantage of that fact or is this something you can do in every format and say i am so experienced and i put so much time in that i can have an optimized list of something new and just wipe the field like is that a mentality you always have when a new thing comes out
1: I don't know, it sounded way worse when you said it like that, but uh I uh I, I, I feel like I could I could have some sort of advantage, it's not like something crazy, but um like if I if I could get some then that would be that would be great, right? Um I uh, like it it's as for new formats it's usually uh more rewarding to put in time and effort into lists because they are less uh, explored and um uh, like the, the less time a format has had right the uh, uh the more chance you have of actually finding something new that people haven't actually seen and, and tested against yet right so if um if possible i i always try to bring something new if i if i can like i do like the surprise factor a lot um and uh i figured that like this was it was not a like an unknown deck by any means going into turn. It was expected to be like the most played deck, even. But I was hoping that the uh, the changes I made with the list, um, like the choices and, and the path in the cross switcher and um, and like a, the very consistent approach as well. Like you will see that this list has so many switching outs. So it's very easy to get to ten with Sableye, which is, in my opinion, the most important part of the whole deck. Um because Sableye is so powerful again. That uh like getting to Sableye one turn earlier makes the difference between you losing or winning a lot of the time. Um so like all these all these choices, I hope that those would accumulate into something that um that could give me some some advantage. The other cool thing about the deck is that it prolongs the game naturally by being a single price deck. So it makes it very difficult for the opponent to play against. Um but it also makes it makes it very difficult for you to play it yourself as well so like you um you heighten the difficulty level of almost any game you go into compared to a lot of other decks where uh games are faster when your pokemon are worth more prices um So as long as the deck is like consistent enough, that's usually my problem. like a deck isn't consistent enough that I want to bring it uh if it's single pricer because it's very hard to stream attackers. When they're worth one price, because you need six of them, and that's a lot. Um, this deck could actually do it very consistent. Like all the attackers need zero or one energy, and they're all basics. And like at that at that point, is actually fair because you can actually do it properly. A single prize stage one or stage two deck already like that—that's almost impossible. You're always gonna miss out on attacks, right? Um, Almost regardless how good your engine is, but if you barely need a single attachment and everything is basic, and your engine can deck yourself out by turn three. I think it's okay then you can you can send the single pricers in and um and it's consistent enough and it it makes the game difficult enough that it was um that was fine like i will, always try to gravitate towards a deck that will make both me and my opponent have the hardest time as possible playing that's that's what I find the most fun. Uh, this is why I played receiver for like a whole season with ton of one offs. My opponents are like, I have no clue what you're throwing at me. And I was sitting like, I, I just, I just need a minute. I'm just gonna try to figure out this puzzle, right? It's like um, trying, trying to just make the game a little bit more difficult. It sounds almost sadistic, but it's really fun. So um, I do, I do hate myself sometimes uh, at the end of the day, like I had a lot of long, rough matches, and I still have to like play fast and very well to still be able to. To do things, but um, it is. Uh, I think the payoff is worth it, and uh, it was it was really fun to play this one.
0: To go off of the like long games and stuff like that, and to stick in the prep mode, like so before you have played in the tournament. This is a deck we all knew was going to take a while. I haven't been playing IRL lately. I'm not sure if you had the opportunity to play the own engine on paper much before the tournament did you get a lot of practice on paper or was it purely on ptcgo and if so on paper how did you know like yes this is that this is a deck that doesn't take too long this is a deck that i can play and finish you know however many games your goal is in the amount of time
1: yeah that's that's funny actually i um i shuffled up my first literal game with the deck ever in paper form. The first round of that regional. Never touched <laughs> that deck in paper form before. It was uh, it was funny. Uh, so I had, uh, I was like trying to figure out. Okay, do I want to flip my confir? Do I put something on it? I don't know. All we'll, we'll do uh, So it was um, it was it was definitely like like an experience. Uh, as for time, I just immediately assumed that this was the best of one deck mm-hmm. because you. Do so many small things each turn, and the another problem is that like, all the things you do are also um, are also very difficult. Mm-hmm. You'll naturally take up the majority of the game time. like even if you try to play relatively fast, since you have so many actions each turn, you'll, you'll naturally be the one that, that plays the most Pokemon each each round. Um, I, I had a couple of opponents that like were like almost mad about it, but that's just the habit of the deck. Um, like you, you will be using the majority of the time right, you're up against a Kirim deck and they play Melanie Attached Attack <laughs> and it's your turn again and you use 15 Confies, one supporter and a lot of switch cards then, like your turn will take 5 times as long as theirs right, it's, it's no doubt um, and I figured that was fine, it's like it's kind of like this unspoken agreement uh between the players when you're going to go into a game like this is a best of one if you beat me this this first game you win that's it that's the match uh but the other way as well is like it's uh if you manage to win the first one then it's very difficult for game 2 to finish again um so like tips going up against it then like scoop game 1 very early if you think you're going to lose it um if you play out game 1 then you can't be surprised if game two doesn't finish. Mm-hmm. It's very much the best of one deck, I think. You saw that, like, in top eight, we played a mirror of this <laughs> thing. Uh, like, we barely finished, we couldn't even finish two games, right? Um, like, we, we could have, but it was it was not needed. It was uh, it was pretty crazy.
0: That was going to be one of my questions, so since we're there, the best of one deck concept, and anyone who's played like Malamar, for example, you know, the Giratina spell tags is probably used to this, but you know, we have a lot of players who have joined post-pandemic or players like me who never actually played Malamar themselves cuz they hated it. Is this a deck where you're finishing in less than like half an hour or is this when you say best of one deck is this literally like a 35-40 minute to finish a game one most of the time?
1: This is definitely 35 to 40 minute to finish one game. Yes. Okay. Um, so it's not even
0: close to getting the second game in. No,
1: not not even close. You would have to have uh... You have to have like a really poor start from, from one of the players to, uh, to actually finish uh, like two games even. Um, you can, it, it's essentially the same speed as um, Inteleon Shire Shard. And that deck is also very much a best of one deck. That deck doesn't finish two games, right? If you're up against that thing in a tournament, you're playing a best of one by all likeliness, right?
0: Yep. I bodied myself at worlds by trying to make it a best of three deck. <laughs> zero out of ten do not recommend that one
1: but uh anyway yeah i i see that and <laughs> uh, that's also definitely feels like a best of one type of thing
0: so one more question about the tournament prep and this is about your list in general so when i started playing uh back 2018 you were already big by then people had already known you this was post zoro right Everyone was like, the Tord Recklev build is four ofs across the board with maybe a, te- a couple techs here and there. And I was like, okay, this is how you build decks. And then you did Urshifu things and your deck was, you know, 41 ofs with a four, four, two Intellion line. Are we now back to a format where we're at four of all of our consistency cards and we're past that, like one of everything. Is this the new, like this is the way you have to play the game when you're not playing Intellion, or is this just a early format? Things are going to change a little bit.
1: Okay, so you, you're you're onto it. Uh, Intellion enables crazy things. As long as the Intellion line is tick and the search outs for the Intellion cards are are there, then it's completely fine to play a ton of one offs because you always have access to them. The problem, again, comes to um, like when you don't have that insane of an engine. Um, like when I started playing as well, like, my, um, like one of my first decks, uh, like for my first real deck was, was LBS, uh, going, going all the way back. And that deck was also like just a tech fiesta, one of everything, <laughs> one of every attacker, but super consistent because it had basically intelligence. Like it had something better. It had pitch shot. You can search that one card every single turn. So you could always find your tech card or your one-off whenever. Uh, so that was that was really strong. So it's all about just having a strong core that can search out whatever you want. Then it's it's fine to do all the one-offs. That mm-hmm. usually always been like a, a 4 off player if I can if I can do it right. Um, like the the one-off shenanigans or shifu thing is that's like a twenty twenty-two thing. Like I <laughs> uh, I had. Like most of my career has—that's an exception—is it's always been trying to just make things as uh, stupidly consistent as as possible. Like I, um, I truly I really believe that like if you can push a deck to a consistent level that just looks so redundant, it's silly. Then it's then it's really good. Um, I I always want to go a little bit above and beyond when uh, when it comes to like the the norm of consistency. Um, and just cut all the fluff if possible. So you saw that at my pure release, for example, mm-hmm. I did a pretty ballsy call with cutting Echo Horn and Six Goon. And that was mostly on the fact that I counted on my opponents thinking I was going to play them anyway. I would have. So <laughs> like, if I'm always decked, almost decked out and I'm playing that deck, right, mm-hmm. and I haven't played a single Echo Horn yet or Six Goon, there's no world you would not play around that card, right? True. Absolutely no world. That deck usually plays two or three echo horn. Of course, you would play around it, um, and that's, that's also what happens. I won like multiple games just because my opponent simply couldn't take the liberty of not playing around it. Um, same uh, same with six again. I think it actually won me str- straight up my top eight, top eight match. Um, John, not be like. Uh, daring to put down his Sableye-Sixagun combo because he was like, "Yo, he ha- he has all his Echo horns and again left. I'm just loose <laughs> on the board, right? There's mm-hmm. no chance. Like, it's all deck in hand. What's the point, right? Have to go for this, like, other play instead or else he knew he had lost. Like, he knew, quote-unquote. But, like, he hadn't, right? Because I didn't play those cards. But he um, couldn't really take the risk there. So um, it was it, it was one of those things. And now that you... I will to talk about the list, like, going forward, right?
0: Now that the list is
1: kind of out there, then uh, I think it would also make sense to see if you can add Echo Horn or Six so again back in. Um, but that's, that's the beauty of it, right? Your opponent won't know if you play them or not. So <laughs> um, it, will, uh, it will depend. Uh, but that was definitely like a call I wanted to make. I wanted to cut, cut the fluff there um, because they're not needed to win games. And if your Punt is playing around them, they actually don't do that much in almost any game anyway. But if you don't have them and your opponent knows, then you can get very punished for not playing them. That was like the main thing.
0: So do you think is this something we hear all the time, like, oh, there's so much information now, it's harder to metagame, or it's like easier to metagame, harder to innovate. You know, people always complain about that. Is this something that you can take advantage of? Or you're saying you are capable of taking not you, but like people are capable of taking advantage of because you know the same information as everyone else, you're able to make these changes and be like, okay. I'm going to use your information against you. Is this something you think is like a very valid strategy?
1: Just like meta game and uh, and come up with a uh, like a valid counter um, to what you expect, since everything is so open. We have all these tournaments. Yeah, that we're thinking about.
0: Yeah, like most people yeah, say, I mean, you that... can't do that
1: anymore, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely like a thing. Um, uh, every everything is very open. Uh, and uh, like the formats move way faster than before. Like, normally you would actually need all these RL events to have meta shifts, but now you can have a meta shift just purely on online events in the meantime between them, which is crazy. Like, example is after Peoria, suddenly Blizzard become super popular and good online, which is crazy, right? Because it has good matchup into Lostbox again. Um, and uh, there, was, there was like one more factor though, it was also. Um, like the Kyurem list kind of uh, cutting down on Napoleon because um, they were like, oh, what's the point? People play Pat anyway, right? Why why would I bother? Two dead cards. And then the Miltank suddenly enters the battlefield and uh, completely sweeps up the Kyurem matchup as well because now they don't have Napoleon to counter that anymore. They weren't really trying to counter Miltank, but it just like naturally happened, right? But now if they cut it, then suddenly Blissey gets two of the biggest matchups. It gets the Lost Box and it gets the Kira matchup. Um, so then, of course, it can uh, it can w- make waves and uh, and do stuff online. Um, and then now suddenly, like, maybe back to the heavy hitters again, right? Like, going back to Giratina and uh, uh, and Kira, maybe with Napoleon to counter the Milking again so that you have that matchup um, on lockdown. So, I don't know, it's... Uh, it's it's pretty cool to see uh, to see how uh, how people think and like how the how the meta like continuously evolves even between tournaments like the, the RL tournaments. So I'm curious because I will get angry DMs if I
0: don't ask this question right now. Is Blissy a real deck to consider either playing or most importantly teching for for like Salt Lake City, which is in at the time of recording six days, five days and Lil, which is in about a week and five days. Is it like real, or is this online tournaments being online tournaments?
1: I mean, Blissy has always been like a really real deck in uh, Japan, um, and uh, it almost won the uh, regionals in the NAA as well. So, I mean, it's it's a deck, um, for sure. It's definitely a deck. <laughs> so, um if you how much you want to tech against it uh, or care about it is another thing though. But mm-hmm. I will say that it is one of the um easier decks to pick up, cost-wise, play-wise, anything. So uh and it does um have uh have some good matchups in the format right now. So it's definitely one of the decks I would I would I, I would care about that deck going going forward now, just because it's it's good into like any deck that's good into the winning deck usually has a fair chance mm-hmm. um like afterwards so if you were my list oh, keep going uh yeah my my, my list for pure right was uh not trying to beat blizzy at all i got um i got saved by by a miracle the the one match i played against it in, in Wait, you, um we'll get to we'll get to that one hold it keep going <laughs> uh but um
0: uh, what was I gonna say? You are not teched for Blissey.
1: Yeah, I didn't tech for Blissey. Uh, I, I didn't play um the Pokestop version. The Pokestop version are actually pretty much uh a lot better against Blissey than um than what the pad version is because the pad just actively hurts you. because Shard is your only <laughs> attacker that do something in that matchup. Um, and you can't use it because you only have your own pads. Uh, so for you to KO a Blissey, you need double vacuum. You need to vacuum. Pat, and you also need to vacuum their uh, tool as well to actually get that KO. And you play three vacuums and you need six of them to get through three <laughs> Blissey. That doesn't really work out, right? The math, math doesn't add up here True. for you to get through three Blizzes. Um That's a problem. Obviously, you can try to poke the Blissey and hope they can't heal, but that's also really difficult. Um, you can usually do that to one of them. Like, if you attack one of the blizzies four times, yes, they might miss a heal card one of those times, right? Um, and then you can use only one vacuum when you kill that one, and then you have two more vacuums for the next one. But the third one, uh, no clue how you get through that one. Um,
0: it's a situation where like
1: even like the first two are difficult, right?
0: Oh yeah, no, I I played against it on ladder. It's your list needs something to be blissy.
1: <laughs> it's where like, yeah, like right, right, right now it doesn't have how uh, much at all. The Pokstop person though has triple stop and two vacuum. So, that one can actually kill two Blissey very straight up, mm-hmm. um, like without, without too much of a hassle. And uh, you, if you save your stops and vacuums properly, like you can probably get through three of them as well. If you um, uh, just like poke the first one until it can't heal anymore, and then you can do the triple charge um, play, which should, should work actually. So, that, that one has, has a way easier time with the five outs instead of three outs. Um, but I, will, I was willing to take that that sacrifice for a lot <laughs> of hardships.
0: Yeah, I feel like everyone in the world, everyone in that room, was willing to take the Elda Blissy. Because, uh, why wouldn't you, right?
1: Yeah, how many were you realistically gonna face, right? How many actually play that deck? But
0: it was, it was pretty yeah. successful, though. One out of every five made it to day two, which is not bad. But I, I mean, that's that's not bad at all, actually. No, yeah, I went through the data just because. I looked at it and it was not what I expected. Gudra, a third of them, Reggie's a quarter of them, and Blistank Tank was a fifth of them, made it into day two. If you're curious, what about Baby Lost Zone? 7%. It was the least successful deck in the tournament that made day two, outside of like Dialga, I guess.
1: Lost least successful? Oh man. I mean. <laughs> it did win. I guess, I guess it makes sense though. The deck. Deck has so many small things you can do every turn to just like completely troll the games. <laughs> I mean, it it, it kind of makes sense. Like long long days, it's uh, it's easy to lose focus for sure. I, uh, I, I, I lost focus in top four, uh, but uh, so, somehow I I didn't get punished enough, so that was that was great. So off of
0: that, let's get into the tournament run a little bit. The very first thing I always love asking is, you're sitting down for round one. You've submitted Lost Zone, a deck that you've technically never used the engine before IRL. Those comb fees that you've sleeved up have never, they're pack fresh. They have never been shuffled or anything. They're ready to go. How How are you feeling? You're at what we thought at the time was the largest regional ever, playing a deck that you've never actually used on paper. Are you thinking, I've got the play, I'm winning this thing? Are you just, are you nervous? Are you excited? Like, where are you at emotionally?
1: I'm like business as usual, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, it was I was definitely like interesting. I was I was, uh, I was excited to see if the deck would work as well in theory and online as um, as in actual paper cards, you know? Because some sometimes that doesn't correlate perfectly, but uh, I still think Joe is a pretty great tool for testing. So I I, I trusted Joe and I was like, my win rate here is high. It should be should be fine. Let's uh, let's send it and and see how it goes. Um, it was definitely, uh, oh, it was definitely a little bit extra of uh, of nerves going into not having uh, touched the engine before IRL. Oh. Um, I was I was really curious to how how it would pan out.
0: How did day one go for you?
1: We're- All right, so it was it was kind of like a roller coaster as well. So I. <laughs> I started off the first match tying to Mew. Like going into the tournament, I was like, "Just give me nine Mews, and we will <laughs> we'll get this tournament." And I find Mew first round, and I still managed to tie to it, which was wasn't great. Um, that was supposed to be like my my best matchup.
0: How did you tie? Shouldn't the matchup like because in theory, right? You said it's a best of one deck, and Mew also has really long turns. So how did that end up in a tie?
1: So I was I was going in thinking it was going to be a best of one as well. So um I was I was trying my best game one, like really tried to squeak out the game, but it just didn't quite pan out. Um I had like a relatively weak um beginning, but not like not weak enough to scoop, you know? Yeah. Uh just, just weak enough to come like that that one turn behind that I couldn't. Um and uh uh I think I might have missed an attack. I'm not. I'm not completely sure. Um, I did. I didn't end up like losing a really close game one, and then uh, game two, I was uh, doing my my turbo thing again, where I just uh, started <laughs> not deck checking, throwing cards onto the board, and uh, just doing my best to see if I could finish it. And I think I finished it in in turns uh, of time. So that was that was a very close call to get to get the tie, but that was, I was still very happy with the tie though because I since I lost the first game and as we said, if you lose the first game, that's probably just gonna be uh, be a loss, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to finish the second game regardless there, but um, somehow like managed to finish game two. My my opponents were really kind to me and played relatively fast with me, so or else it probably wouldn't have worked out.
0: It's one of those situations where they match your pace, which. It's something I think we all instinctively do.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure. I, I I do that a lot as well. If my opponent suddenly speeds up, then I often speed up as well. It's just, it's just a natural habit, right? Oh, for sure.
0: So your 001, How, you said it's a roller coaster. It literally can't go forward. It has to go up or down from here. Well, it doesn't, I guess, but... <laughs> But what what's happening in the next couple of rounds? Like is it going better? Is it going worse? Are you starting to doubt your choice? Are you like this deck's broken? Where are you at?
1: I was still like after a tie, I I was uh, I was thinking oh it's, it's still fine. I still I still like my deck. Like the deck was still like running relatively smooth in, in both the games. Like apart from me being one turn behind. It was it was operating well. Um I do win the next uh, couple of rounds. Um so I'm two 2 2-0-1 going into the fourth round, which is going to be before lunch break. And Perfect. then I faced my first Gudra. And I'm uh, <laughs> like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I didn't want this to happen, but here we are. And um, I took a loss. I, th- I think that one wasn't that close, but um, it was mainly because I didn't have that Echo Horn. Like, I-, I remember both my uh, Gudra matches. Mm-hmm. If I had a Horn in my list, like, it just need to be in the list because I would I decked out like twice uh, to find it. Um, it would actually have been enough because uh, I just needed a way to take down something else. Mm-hmm. But I got completely bodied by like a lone Gudra. Um, I could not touch that thing and uh, just just like very, completely checkmated by, by it. But if I had like a way to take those two last prizes, then I uh, could, could have gotten there. It was still like relatively close. I was like I went like money Pat attack, and I had to figure out a way to heal it. And if not, I would take it out afterwards. But it's it was definitely not easy. It, it's a bad matchup. I can't can't say anything else. And I, I took my loss as, as expected in, in that round. And that was two one one going into, into lunch.
0: Before we move on to the next round, was it Arceus Gudra or Loss Zone Gudra?
1: It was uh Arceus Gudra.
0: Okay, so the good version.
1: Yeah, the good version, I guess. <laughs> I I I'm not sure like which one I actually like the most. I've barely seen Lost the Lost Zone one being played. Um played mainly against the Darkest one.
0: There there's a reason you don't see the Lost Zone one played anymore. Just I'd love to be proven wrong because I love the Lost Lostone engine and Gudra, but it's it's just bad Giratina.
1: <laughs> I mean that that kind of makes sense too. Like if you're bothering with the Lost Zone engine in the first place, you might as well play uh, Play Giratina if you put in three energy on the stage one Pokemon, you know? Then Giratina is a pretty good Pokemon to put three energy on.
0: Right? Why tank hits when you can just Oko everything?
1: I mean, definitely seems easier, not gonna lie. <laughs> so that sounds sounds good. So 2-1-1, on this is a situation
0: personally, if I'm in it, I'm like I'm like, I'm doing well, but also there's a little bit of doubt in my mind of like I have to do really well to make it to day two. How are you feeling at 2-1-1? Are you like, all right, no problem, I got this? Or are you kind of like, this isn't going super well?
1: Honestly, at 2-1-1, I was like kind of ecstatic. Because last regional, <laughs> I opened 0-2. So I was like, yo, this is way better than last time. I just, just need some time to warm up. Now now we go, right? I'm um, thinking that, oh, it will, still, it will still work out. So I, was, I, had, I had a good faith going into next matches. I did win the next three. So then I was five one one. I was like, okay, okay, this is looking pretty good. And then I find my next Gudra. I was like, bro, not <laughs> not again. It's not like this. Um so I find another Gudra. It was exactly the same situation, basically. Um mm-hmm. uh, this one was like really tense though. Uh I get I get him to a spot where I I use shard and go down to two. And um I managed to like strip all his energies off the board by uh, like using cross switcher and making life awkward and like targeting with Sable and everything. He mm-hmm. didn't, didn't have like a single energy on board. The problem was that like I had no way to one-shot the last remaining Pokemon in play, even if I got the free turn. Um so if I had an Echo Horn again, <laughs> and <laughs> since I managed to steal that turn, I would have Echo Horned a basic and got my last two prizes. But I wouldn't even be able to um I, I wouldn't be able to like convert that one turn uh of Leeway. I managed to play myself into into anything. So uh my opponent just went attached, attached the next turn and then killed me. Um like with an archie, so like double turban then hand attachment turn after. Uh so it was also relatively close. Really missed my Echo Horn again. Mm-hmm. Um would been would been great. But that was like the only real match if I, I cared about Echo Horn. all the other ones I was like this this is great. They have enough targets on board. Whatever, right? They uh I don't need more from the, their discard pile. That was definitely a thing when my pont only has a good run play and the uh, tank for uh, a million every turn. <laughs> so that's uh, that, that that was difficult. So then I'm five to one and I'm like, okay, winning in situation again for day two. Um and then I'm up against the mirror. Um against the guy that went nine-o in Baltimore actually, or ten-o, like after uh, First round, of day two. Um, so, like, how did he, how did you he get there? <laughs> um, then we we play, and uh, it was some of the most bricky games I ever seen. It was it was crazy. Like, I opened oranguru, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. um, and I pass. My opponent opens cramant, and they pass straight back. <laughs> <laughs> I take a chorus, Look at my five next cards, and then I use oranguru and I pass straight back. I find a single basic, and I'm like, holy moly, what, what is this? Oh, no. Um, so, like, nothing is really happening, and then I think I top take a comfy, and then I just go off the turn after. Um, my opponent's still struggling with, with setup.
0: So, was this um, a long game one, or did your opponent eventually... This
1: is a, now, this, this is actually turning into a long game one. It was just, like, a really awkward opening for both of us. My okay. opponent also, like, sets up after, but are obviously behind. So I'm like I'm pretty clear to win game one the whole way, uh, but they um, they still play it out. Um, game two uh, I'm also very clearly winning, uh, but it's uh, uh, I, I don't I don't think it actually finished in the end. I'm not sure. I might have like barely finished, like a minute to spare. But um, that was uh, that was them like like flat breaking like completely this time. Like was it even worse than first game? Um, so yep. I uh, I I almost got the dunk. They they opened like a Sableye pass or something. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was some horrendous opening hands. I was uh, was not great, but uh, I definitely were on drawing better. Uh, my list was probably more consistent as well, though. To be fair, but like none of the decks were supposed to draw that bad, like in any <laughs> in any world. But it happened.
0: No, it's the Laso decks can get these bricky hands. We even saw a meme going around for a while, right? Where it was like. Oh the lost Zone engines that you draw in real life and it's like cramran the active and six dead cards in your hand and
1: it's sweet. Oh yeah, I saw that one. I I, I love that meme. That was like <laughs> that was that was my experience.
0: <laughs> so now you're 621 at the largest regional. How does that like are you mentally like I can make top 8 but I have to go what 501?
1: Is that like Yeah, I was, like, I was actually like talking about like people with we it well. I was like Okay, I made day two, but I made day two at six to one. So does it even matter? Like the chance of me hitting top eight there is is so slim. I literally have to go five oh um if I want to have a chance of making it. Um if I go five oh I can I did the last one. But that's like five one isn't even good enough. I have to go five oh one. It's uh it's crazy. Um so uh So so you're aware
0: whole- of the situation and how bad it is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of how, how poor my situation is. yes, I'm, <laughs> uh, like I, I know that my, the chance of me coming out on Topper is, is very slim. I needed a better record going into day two if I uh, want like a realistic chance of of hitting top eight. Um, but you know, some some days, some days they just work out. What
0: are the decks that you hit in day two? And were any of the Swiss rounds memorable? I mean, not, they're all memorable, right? But like, were any of them like, oh, this is a really good one?
1: Uh, first round, I remember uh, hitting a Kieran Palkia. Um, match-up. We had a pretty matchup. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we had a pretty long game um, game one. Um, he, he wasn't drawing the hardest, but he didn't miss much attacks either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was definitely like Fairly ahead in in that game, um, I uh, think I got like the turn one path Cram Marnie or uh, maybe not Marnie, but like I, got, I definitely got the turn one path Cram attack. Um, so it was it was it was pretty strong. Um, he might have missed the turn two attack because of it, and then I got like that one extra attack in, so I was like in a in a solid spot uh, right off the bat. Um, so I won I won the first game and. Uh, uh, it took it still took a while. He wanted to play it out. Um, I'm honestly not sure why he would because, like, he was he was very checkmated the last three turns. Mm-hmm. Um, then game two rolled around, and uh, it was it was time like three or four turns in. Um, and uh, that was uh, that was really it. Uh, he was like a, a little bit frustrated about that one, I remember. Um, because he, uh, he was doing way better game two. He had like a pretty sick Cheryl play as well, actually. Um, that that popped off that game. So uh, he was. I think he was favored to win game two. Like he, he hadn't won it or anything yet, but he was. I think he was favored.
0: Okay, but it sounds one. like there was nowhere near enough time to actually finish it, anyway.
1: No, no, for sure not. Um, but it would is- need uh, we need at least five more turns, I think.
0: What about the next round?
1: I'm sure if I can remember every single round. um, Even if the
0: order is out of it. Just like, what are some of those matchups? You avoided the Gujras, I assume.
1: I played a really close match against Intel and Palkia as well, I remember. I remember it ended in like kind of spectacular fashion. I had to go, uh, like I got Marnied, and I had to deck out completely to find all my pieces (laughs) to do my uh, my start stuff. Um, So that was was pretty cool. Uh, That was also very much a best of one. Mm -hmm. Um, I I I think like almost all my games... Day two was was best of one because like day two, like my point is definitely way more tense as well, right? Because mm-hmm. um, like they, uh, it's 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 more at stake than than in day one, um, especially if you have like a very winning record day day two, then uh, like you you want to make sure all your decisions are are on point, and obviously I want to do the same, right? So game 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 ones took took very long, um, on on that day. So I played against that um I think like the most memorable one I only played five rounds right because I did the last one yeah. here um the most uh, memorable one or like the one I was sure I was out in was the uh was the Blissy Blissy matchup <laughs> that I found I was like yeah. I was like three o maybe and I found Blissy I was like okay that that's it to run that <laughs> see you. <laughs> see you next next regional let's um we tried um
0: how did you pull but that the, one off?
1: I was up against Blizzy. Uh, it was uh, on a um, it was on a game player. My opponent drew a card too many uh, off of uh, like or didn't draw a card at all. Actually, it was what was it, it was it was something with uh, with the lucky energy oh. um, that that resulted in a double prize penalty. Um, and as as we talked about, right, my my deck can kill two Blizzies but not three. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that double prize medal, they gave me a win condition, so I could knock out two blisses. and that was, I think, I was like essentially the the only way. Um, my opponent was was super cool about it though; like he was, it was totally on board of it being his own fault. Um, but it, like, it, it definitely feels bad. I, I felt bad for him as well because that was that was a really good matchup for him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like, if it was not for that, he would have won um, that that match.
0: It hurts, but one of those oh. like, you gotta. You're responsible for your own board state right
1: yes exactly
0: so then you um, end you end up in i d situation
1: yeah like i need i still needed one more and um so like that was I, I, that that was like the fourth round so i had one um, i had one four now um and uh, i still need another one so even after that again i was still wasn't in it was it was crazy um so uh, they decided to put me on stream on, for the next one, and I'm up against Reggie. Another pretty poor matchup, if uh, if I would say so myself. Um, oh yeah, I'm up against I'm up against Reggie's, and they put me on stream. I was like, man, do I have to lose my winning in again <laughs> on stream? <laughs> we did, we did this two weeks ago. I have to do it again. Um, but uh, somehow that Reggie deck did not work at all. That that deck just could not function in any way. Turn one, my pawn's hand was empty. Like, nothing left in hand. Zero card hand. I was like, OK, I mean, as long as he doesn't top deck anything amazing, we're we, we good to go then, right? <laughs> and, uh, like, you can see the whole game on stream. Like, it was it was recorded and uh, and streamed, uh, if you're interested. But um, essentially, my pawn goes down to zero card hand, turn one, making me absolutely uh, no shot of mining in them. Um, and uh, I get the turn to Sableye going first, which is pretty amazing. Like you can, exp- you can like almost count on going second if you really try for it. But I was going first and I had, like two cards in loss zone after my, my turn one, and so I got eight more the next turn. Um, That's so good. <laughs> quite a jump, but you can do it if with like the heavy vacuum version. Um, yeah, that I- was that was what happened.
0: I assume a lot of the times in a matchup like that where it doesn't matter, you go play your own path, vacuum your path, and get a plus two in the loss zone, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's like the perfect play against Reggie if, if you can pull it off. Just um, like use your path for fuel for your loss zone engine instead. So I got like a really early save line and I um, started spreading around. Actually, I hadn't played much against that Reggie matchup either, but I found like a really cool way to go about it uh, when, I, when I sat there. Um, so it's like if I spend one turn with Sableye to just spread everything out, um, then uh, I should be able to like take my six prices or like do six attacks to take six prices afterwards. Um, and you can even like if you don't do one on each strategy, if you go like two on them actually, um, then even if someone gets healed, right, you can spend eleven to knock one out, and then you still have like one extra to go to set up another one again, right? So if you do like two to two on like multiple of them. Then, uh, like, even if they heal like a couple, then um, you still have like essentially an an extra one set up with the extra damage counter placed on the Reggie If if you if you know what I mean, yeah. Um, cause then it's it's fairly easy as easily to take all those prices as long as you can stream stabilize. It also acts like a bonus that you can use cram to finish it off as well, which is like pretty cool. If if, it ever, if that that ever hits the active, um, so that was. Uh, that was pretty fun. Like in the game, we played out, and it didn't matter. It didn't end up mattering at all because, um, like, my opponent attacked once in two games. That was that was <laughs> it, right? Uh, like literally one attack. Uh, I was I was surprised he not manage to attack more after he actually found an attack. But I went escape rope, and he was super scared of the six again. I didn't play, so he didn't want to promote that Reggae Drago, so I could kill it with cram siggy. Um, which was fair enough, but it played horrible into my actual deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I uh, I got got very much away with it. I was like, I was camping a double cross switcher pair in hand that I was expecting to use. Like after he promotes his Drago. I still want him to be bricked, right? Um, so I was like, okay, I'll rope. He will give me the Drago, and I will cross switcher afterwards. And then he gives me the literal target I wanted to cross switcher. I was like, okay, I mean, I will, I'll save this cross switcher for later. Now. <laughs> um, that seems that's fine for me. I don't think I even ended up playing. So it like it really didn't matter either, but I was I was surprisingly was that scared of me having like the absolute nuts so they didn't want to give me the regular drago to get out of that spot. that um, I was still like just to play down the cross switchers though.
0: No, it's if anyone gets a chance to go back and watch it, like everything towards explaining the match itself isn't good. <laughs> But if you're curious how to play the matchup, I think you do a good job of both the explanation there, but also showing in a couple of the turns of like these small little maneuvers is really nice. I also have to to say, I don't know if you got a chance to watch some of the stream games, but I have never seen an archetype brick as much on stream as Reggie's did the whole weekend. It was bad. (laughs)
1: I mean, I, I, I can't I can believe it. I I didn't see it. Unfortunately, I only I only got to experience it, and that was that was lucky enough, I think.
0: That was that that was a normal one. We saw one of the rounds they put on Zach Lesage with Reggie's up against a Zorvark V Star without Dunspars and it was like this is miserable like this is an auto win and he bricked so hard that it ended up being a tie because Zorak was able to steal a game it was it was bad
1: oh my god <laughs> that's that, that's incredible actually that's so, that's so funny
0: so now you're going into top eight uh you were again streamed for top eight and it was it was beautiful it was a very fun game one to watch i think I don't know if there's anything you want to like add to for anyone who's seen the stream. Anyone who hasn't, 10 out of 10, go back and watch it. It was amazing. But that matchup against John Ang with Giratina, so mere-ish, right? He has technically four dead cards in his deck that you don't have. But is there anything else you want to add to that one?
1: That was I honestly like a really fun game. Um that was the, the funniest part about it was he wins the coin flip and he doesn't really know which um if you want to go first or second. <laughs> he was like, man, I really hoped you would win the flip here because I, <laughs> I don't want to make this decision. Um, he ended up telling me to go first. though. I think, in retrospect, that was, that was fine as the Grutina player because um, like he only plays the one Sableye anyway. Uh, so he's not really trying to get to 10. Uh, like he's just trying to basically trade me with cramps, right? And uh, if anything, he has like two ways to steal a turn. That's with his snowlegs. Um, set up Snolex and Angry Ninja early game, and uh, then my Cramp needs a cross-switcher to do something, or I need a Sableye. Um, and that's just like his way of get, getting ahead. Um, or he can go second and get the turn on Cramp Attack. Then he also gets like the Bone Price ahead. Um, he also played the Six so He had technically the Six Ogun Sableye play available that I didn't, which could have been a really big deal, mm-hmm. Um like he had it in hand as his combo at, at one point, but he was too scared to use it again because he played around my six again, and uh, especially my Accord, so he, he didn't want to do that, you know? Um,
0: yeah, the situation where like- if we're in an online open decklist tournament, we might be talking to someone else about winning Peoria regionals right now, but because it's closed decklist, you took advantage.
1: Yes, close decklist is is a big deal. I also did like a really cool play that uh, I think I think like went kind of unnoticed. But um, I put I had some damage counters leftovers, and I put sixty on his cramorant, mm-hmm. and this was to force him to net that thing to play around echo horn, so I uh, wouldn't um, just win with my turn. <laughs> if I if I if I start putting damage on the greninja, he doesn't have to net it, and he only has one net left. So if I put everything on this Cramorant and he nets it, he doesn't have net left for his six again because he only has one left. So I effectively like completely block off his power play in his last turn because he has to play around my Echo Horn that I don't have in my deck by, <laughs> by netting Cramorant now. So that, was, that was like my favorite play of the whole tournament, I think.
0: That's actually so good too because that's the type of play that like... That's one of those things that differentiates the great from the good players, right? The question is, am I going to make the optimal play for my win condition or am I going to bluff and force my opponent to make a misplay even though they don't cuz they don't think it's a misplay right
1: yeah i mean that was uh that that was like the coolest mind game trick i i pulled off like successful in in a long while i was i was, I was really happy about it. <laughs> i i'm not like, even sure if that was what he was thinking but i i think so like or else it wouldn't make too much sense to actually net there um but it was it was it was really fun i was uh i, I was quite happy with that with that play in in the moment <laughs> that's I don't know if, if,
0: I assume John doesn't listen to the podcast, but if he does, he's definitely uh, kicking himself at this point for that, for falling for what is a very good bait. I would have fallen for it if I saw that play, and I assume I would have.
1: Like, you have to use the information you have available, right? And if you don't have the information that I'm not running the Six again or the Echo Horn, right, then, uh, like, that's that's kind of the play you have to do, or else you're basically dead on board almost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Like, I, I have my whole deck in hand. What what are the chances that I don't have it yet, right? So didn't play any of it yet. I have to have them. That's true. There's no way you there. prized
0: all three of them, right? Because you obviously are playing the Japanese list.
1: Obviously, I only had two prizes left. I actually couldn't have prized it, right? <laughs> I only had two left. So.
0: And that goes back to everything we talked about earlier, where you can use that extra information that everyone has to your advantage. And you did. And it won you. Well, potentially won you a game. You might have won regardless, but... We don't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it like if uh it would probably came down to Marnie, because if he like popped off his combo a turn earlier, um then uh, like I would have Marnie that he would probably have found the game winning piece off of the Marnie again. So um it was it was it was a really close game, really tense. Um and uh like with how time panned out as well. If he wins the first game, then it would be difficult for me to finish game two mm-hmm. as well. Uh, same way it was difficult for him to finish game two when we played.
0: So, in the top four, we hit Curum, yeah. I assume. This one was not streamed.
1: Yes, I hit Curum, uh, Palkia in this one with double Empoleon uh, in, uh, in Sakuravic regular.
0: I assume the paths carried, uh, did their job.
1: They did. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about it though, cause, oh for sure. Like at this point, I am my my brain is starting to get kind of fried. I uh, like the the top eight game was was already like really intense. Um, so going into this one, um, I uh, I'm gonna be honest and say like I wasn't like hundred percent there. Uh, so game game one turn one, I already make like a big blunder because I'm just uh like not 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 thinking properly, and I um. I find two pads in my first few cards, which is like amazing, right? I win the flip, I go first. And I put one in the lost zone and I put the other one into play. And then my opponent swiftly answered with VIP pass, double empoleon, training court goes into Empoleon. I'm like, oh my god, what did I do, bro? <laughs> oh my god. That is a rare that was that was kinda kinda crazy. Um so I sit there for multiple turns just <laughs> staring at my hand and i and like what did I do if I had a path I would just like I would just win here he has nothing because he sacrificed his entire start to do that play mm-hmm. he went like quick ball for irida for balloon like he he wanted that more than anything yeah and um, and I, I thought it would work I, I swear I used scratch five times that game. <laughs> Uh, that's is, uh, Sableye, for the right? Yeah, <laughs> that's for the first attack. Of Sableye, it does twenty damage, and I and I promise those those twenty damage actually ended up mattering in the end. Oh, I believe it. Um, so I I still don't quite know how I managed to win that one, but he did pass a lot as well because he again he sacrificed his entire start to get that Templar in playoff. Um. Like a very risky, but it looked like it would be work kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I top deck in a couple turns in, and colors gives me nothing. Uh, I'm still like, oh my god, <laughs> I have I have nothing. Uh, so I continue scratching, and uh, at one point I do top deck another colors into my pads. I'm like, okay, here we go, here <laughs> we go, and my deck actually starts working again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like. So far, it's just a couple of opponents with some damage on them. He has a Luminium in play. He has a he has a V Max. He has a Palkia. He has a Bat, um, and uh, I'm trying to like scramble some sort of strategy together so I can I can grab all my prize cards here. Um, and uh, I uh, I somehow do. There was like a key moment in the first game here where I'm like I i for me to win in three turns. I need this opponent to not have a wash energy anymore, so I can snipe it off with Sableye. And by well, by some miracle, like my opponent Zachary, he decides to move his wash energy to another target, um, so I can actually knock it uh, or knock it out with Sableye. And that like that's all my whole my whole game. <laughs> Suddenly I was like, I don't even have to do the cross switch and Marnie pad the uh, pray cheese play. I can just I can just take the knockout, and then I can go into my shard and I can win this game. That's amazing. And um it, it somehow it somehow pound out. It was uh, it was actually crazy. <laughs> but the price trade is really good for Shard and, and save blaster. You you trade evenly until Shard just takes a one shot, right? So you can actually be quite a bit behind uh and still win uh, win the matchup. Um It seems like if he,
0: good for your deck, right? Like if the Empoleon doesn't brick you completely, it's like good. <laughs>
1: yeah i I also think the matchup is pretty good. It depends on how they tech as well right mm-hmm. and and how they play um and also their engine but uh, like it's made to be like pretty fine against you, but I definitely think that you need to commit like like his plan was mainly just napoleon's, Ampo, uh, and that one wouldn't work here so that i I felt like I had the upper hand as long as I didn't break on them yeah um, but if you want the actual upper hand, uh against a deck with pat, you need to play. Some sort of healing. You need collapsed stadium uh to bump one of your big guys. Um, like preferably with damage. You need the trail, uh we need multiple wash energies. Um you need you need something extra if you want a real advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh but he I think he only had that one wash energy. And I, 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 I don't know, but he he somehow moved it. And I, <laughs> I found an <laughs> open So I can knock out that and pull and would save. I, I think he figured that like he um like I think he protected his curam, so I couldn't go Sableye to settle for my shard. Um to knock it out. But like that wouldn't work out too well with my price trade. Mm-hmm. It was it was crucial that I, I was able to get that and pull in Poland. So I could go my two to two plan instead of um going into the VMAX. It would it would take me one turn too many. So I uh, and also like it would cost me too many gust effects. Like with how the game lined up, I could win with only a single gust effect and a shard, uh, which was way easier to pull off than uh like what I thought I had to pull off.
0: Yeah. So it's one of those where it sounds like your opponent and your game plans had a. You disagreed on how you were going to win. And because of that, you were able to take advantage.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think he had like another plan in mind for me. Cause like usually you try to map out your opponent's plan and your plan, right? And I think he had mapped out a different plan for me that he tried to block, which was, uh, which was very, very lucky for me. Um, so then I somehow win that game one and game two. Um, I open cram uh, and I open six cards. I can't play, <laughs> oh, and no. then I pass. And uh, he doesn't dunk me. And then I draw another card. And then I pass again. And then he donks me. <laughs> so then, uh, then we move on to game three. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I I seen this before. I, I <laughs> we had like we played the finals of UIC, and we, we did the exact same thing there. Actually, oh, that was like, on
0: Sil Metal, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I opened the Wimpo and he donks me uh, game three of that final. Two. Uh, so I was like, oh, this this is familiar. I I've seen this before." Um, and and luckily, it it panned out the same as well. And in game three, I um, he had the same opening as game one. He did the exact same thing, like all in double Napoleon. Um, but this time, I was I was smart enough to keep a pattern, <laughs> so. Uh, this time I just put down Pat and like I could actually attack immediately. So the turns that he game one, he spent passing. This time I was sitting there with Sableye and just going ham on his board instead. Um and uh he he even conceded like after a couple passes. Like I still would need like two or three more turns to close it off, but uh I think my board set was was too good and his hand was like nothing. So he um he conceded that one like kinda early actually, but it 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 kind of made sense.
0: It's, it's one of those two, You like you said, the matchup, you can get behind and still win. Which says how bad Kirim is if <laughs> they get behind, how unlikely they are to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, I was very unlikely he would he win would from that spot. That, that, that's for sure. Um, I, uh, I felt pretty in control being able to attack with Sable like three turns for free, right? That's, uh, that's usually enough to win.
0: That's a, any matchup. <laughs> so then... I mean, no doubt. Finals against Cal streamed. What, like, can you walk us through any part of it? Preferably, uh, I need to hear your thought process on game two.
1: I mean, we'll we'll get to game two. So, uh, like, game game one is is fine. I I, he doesn't have the best poker face in the world. Like, it was very obvious that uh, his hand was like absolute trash, right? Uh, In in the first game. I, I didn't thought it was that bad, but it was like it was horrible. Um and uh I uh, I really didn't want to Marty him, but it was also one of those I know that he has a second Water Energy in the hand. Um and like all he really needs from there is a Palkia V-Star. And if my opponent is not playing a single supporter, right, or a ball card or anything, then what can possibly be in their hand, right? I'm thinking it's probably Palkia V Star, it's probably incense, um uh or or something along those lines, right? Um but by a miracle it wasn't any of those either, right? But I was thinking like at least if I if I Marnie, um he would have a smaller hand size and uh he might just be like keeping his hand big to bait me a little bit uh, as well. Um to uh to to like not Marnie him so that he can play down everything next turn. Um, so uh I do I do end up with the Marnie thinking like, okay it's it's fine. I'm already a little bit ahead. I get the first attack here and that's usually fine. Um like good enough to to get there as long as I don't break myself. He gets like honestly a god hand off the Marnie again. Because he gets he gets a Rida Palkia Greninja off the Marnie. Um, like really saved him there. Um, and Honestly, that's that's better than getting the Sobel set up. Um, you don't want Sobels in that matchup. Like putting down Sobols is really bad. There's those are one price for sixty HP. Palkia V Star is um 140 HP for one price if you like yeah, uh, divide it by two for like value for the damage output you have to do. Uh that's twice as much as Sobol. So Sobel on the board is uh, is bad. Uh, like it's more than twice. Like it's twice even if you play the 70 HP Sobel. Um so, it's, it's way better value just streaming Palkias than having to use Sobols, uh, if, if possible. So, like, the game like, actually wasn't that bad for him. He did miss one attack, I, I think, because he had to go, uh, like, after I knocked out his first Palkia, his hand wasn't good enough to stream the next one. Mm-hmm. So, he had to go with his next Palkia and pick up a stadium. So, he missed out, So, I get the first attack, and he also missed out on one attack. So, then I sh- was technically like two attacks ahead of him. Um, which was which was fine, which means I could play it really safe. So I I played it in a way where like I went cram cram cram, knock out the palchia instead of trying to fizzle and save like there, uh, mm-hmm. and like use my damage better because I was that turn ahead anyway, so I didn't have to take that like risk. I could just play it like very safe and go um like like with my resources instead, because you don't have to win with a lot. You just have to win with one turn, right? That's that's still good enough. So. If I'm, if I'm ahead, I'm going to play the game safer and like, uh, be more careful with, uh, with my resources and attacks just to ensure that I'm not missing anything. That makes sense. So like, in the end there, right, I, I kind of gave away one attack. I was two turns ahead. So I gave one back just to I could re- like really lock in and be sure I won that, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like kind of backwards, but it's, it's, it's oftentimes the, the better play. So I, I felt like I played that, that pretty well um i'm also, i'm really happy with with how that went um, and uh like he so i like at the end of game 1 right uh, i got had got intel that he played canceling coulomb so that influenced my my plays a lot at the end there i really didn't want him to scam me with uh, <laughs> a yeah, cross switcher coulomb out of nowhere play yeah I also was pretty sure he didn't have a way to kick my stadium so the only real way for me to lose was in my second to last turn, I was using Shard, knock out this bench Palkia, and then give him an opening to go cross virtue, um, uh, V-star power, Greninja, knock out and something else for, for game. Um, so instead of knocking out the bench Palkia with Shard Shard, which would leave me with game on board, that would le- give him a chance to win that turn. Mm-hmm. If I don't do it, he has no chance to win that turn. And all I have to do is use the Shard next turn instead. Um, there was one play I could have been punished by here. Um, and that was I went with Marnie Pat instead. If off the Marnie Pat he draws water, Palkia was, um, and knocks out my Shard, and I miss my Clara, I actually lose the game. My Clara, last Clara was priced, mm-hmm. and I draw two out of four prices. So if if all that happens, I lose that game, but I still figured it safer. Than letting him keep his eight card hand and hoping he didn't have canceling Cologne Cross or boss. Um, but it was like a relatively close call, I think. Both of them are super unlikely to happen, um, but they could happen theoretically. Right? Yeah. So it was yeah. like, which which small percentage am I trying to play around here? right? And I, I went for the money path. Uh, somehow you hit Roxanne off of my money, which uh, was like slightly scary. My deck was really thin though. So I'll. And I had, I had like at least two vacuums left um, to still attack with charm, so was, that was that was okay. But I was like slightly scared. Um, he didn't doesn't even find attack though on the Roxanne, so it doesn't really matter. But like if, if he did, then uh, I would have to dig a little bit to see if I could find my vacuum. I did draw it straight off Roxanne though, so it, it, it was okay. <laughs> I could just like promote it. But uh, if I didn't, then you know could have been uh, could have been scary. Um,
0: You can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but Roxanne can hurt the Lost Zone deck. But by the time Roxanne's live, you usually have like, I don't know, 15 cards left between
1: your hand and your deck. So not a lot's going to happen. I don't think I lost a single Roxanne the whole weekend, actually. It was um, like the, the, if you just actually actively go through your deck and uh, put everything in the Lost Zone, then you are, you are pretty fine against it. And it's like, okay, you get Roxanne to two. Like in most of your board states, you will have Comfy Balloon, and then you have a top deck that's three, you have Comfy, then you up to five. Uh, in those five cards, if you play 18 switching outs, chances are you see <laughs> one of them in those five. Um, and then uh, you get to see two more, potentially, um, if you haven't seen a supporter already, and then you also have Oranguru to see another one. So there is a lot of cards you can see. Um, so even Roxanne isn't bad. Like in that and then with Marnie, right, you're seeing like 10 cards. It's like very hard to break off a Marnie, too. Uh, this is even granted, you didn't even get to use Uran to stack something before it happened.
0: Yeah, there's, there's like
1: a lot. A, yeah, Roxanne Ru- and, uh, and Marnie, like it's, it's helping, but as long as you can't turn off abilities, they're not that impactful. Like the, the famous N, right, um, was often paired with Ability Lock. Mm-hmm. N if you didn't ability lock, did absolutely nothing. And it's still true to uh, to this format as well. If you don't ability lock and you know, opponent just like just go off on their board, it doesn't really matter if you lose your first hand as long as you tinder your deck and you can still draw cards with them.
0: That makes sense. You have to get the like Roxanne path against a deck where it actually matters that there's a path in play.
1: Exactly. So Roxanne path against Mu or Curum is incredible, but, there, but against other decks, it doesn't matter that much again, right? Like any deck that has some sort of engine on board still um which is why i've been liking like the single price uh like single price engine lately i like played bib pokya and i played um the comfy deck here they're really cool they're very hard to turn off so um they they work even through hand disruption
0: yeah because like oh i'm gonna rock sand you and hope you don't hit level ball sure or i'm gonna rock sand you and then you're just gonna be barrel (laughs) for five more cards
1: like, yeah like against people, B- Roxanne does very little. Uh, in most cases, it almost help you because you get to reset your hand um, and then just just draw more with liberal.: And then game two was the
0: nuttiest way to spoiler alert win <laughs> that I've ever seen. There, there's been a lot of cool stuff on stream actually, but that that was that's up there as a moment of like,
1: oh my gosh, he did it. That was that was that was really fun. Was, <laughs> it was um a crazy series of um of events and sequencing in the uh in the final there. So he opens Sobel, well, he used to choose to go first, and he just goes with a straight pass. <laughs> he's um he's not happy about it. I wouldn't be either. I <laughs> uh, that was uh just not great. This Sobel pass in the final is the last thing you wanna see, right? Yes. But uh when I see that, that's that's the that's the only thing I want to see. <laughs> uh, so um, my heart is racing a little bit because I'm like, okay, I just I just need to get this <laughs> to get this attack off. I'll do anything to get it. Um, so I, I went as hard as I could. I even opened Cramorant. so that wasn't an issue anymore. So I could like spend all my cards just trying to get four cards in the loss zone and get Cram back in active. Um, so I use Comfy, nothing. Use another Comfy, nothing. <laughs> It's the third comfy. Nothing. It's like double pad. It's like mm, absolutely nothing I can build in here. I'm like, okay. I mean, last chance is this uh, is this monkey. If monkey hits monkey, had two chances. It could hit a switch card into another comfy, or it could hit Colorus, which would be the best card. It hit into a switching card. Mm-hmm. Like if it if it hits a switching card, I would have to go into next comfy, and then that comfy needs to hit another switching card. <laughs> uh, that's so that's one way, or you could just hit colorist directly. And you would like if it was if it hit colorus by some miracle, we'd be so likely to win because it's so many switching cards in the deck. Um, and uh, as fate would have it, monkey hit the colorist, And uh, I was just like flipping flipping the cards <laughs> at that point and just like okay, if, if there's a switch that I win, right? If there's any out of this colorus, I can just promote this this bird again and take the knockout and uh I think second card, I I find it already. I didn't even look at the rest; just slammed it down, and that was that was it. That was the game.
0: And then you win the largest regional ever <laughs> with the
1: new archetype. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I was uh, I was over the moon excited. That was that was really fun, especially because like I was my run was on the brink of uh, of death like the whole way. Like you heard me talk about like I took the double loss to Gudra in day one. And I I found the Blissy player in day two, and like it just it just didn't seem like it was meant to be. But um, some somehow I uh, I got the odds on my side and uh, and pulled through. With with all that said, though, I um, I felt like I got I got really rewarded for my play because I, I did a lot of uh, I had a lot of difficult games, um, which uh, which was fun, but it was also it was exhausting. And uh, I managed to find like those um those cool plays sometimes to to get her and my favorite again i think in top eight doing the 60 on the cram and just um forcing out this last net to play around the card i don't play bro the
0: biggest brain that is actually such a sick play though (laughs) so lastly you had already kind of alluded to a little bit but how the list evolves moving forward i don't need you to leak all the changes or anything like that but i think the best, like little soundbite in the world, is: Is this exact sixty okay to play at Salt Lake City and/or Lil Regionals in the next two weeks?
1: I mean, yes, it's definitely completely fine to just send the same thing in again. Um, it doesn't have like any crazy counters beside the um, the Gudra and the Blissey matchup. The blessing matchup is the worst one because it requires the most amount of cards to tech for it. Um, while Gudra is not bad enough of a matchup that you can't uh, actually beat it if you add, uh, like... If you add a one Echo Horn, I, I feel like it's pretty even-ish, uh, but you still need to play well and draw well. Um, if you add two Echo Horn, you should be almost favored in the matchup. Uh, and if you add a six again on top of that, then, uh, like, Gudra should be, like, Almost one of the as you want to see at that point. But you can reset attacks attack so easily. Um, they cannot attach any tool cards because you play triple vacuum. And uh, they don't play pad because that blocks themselves. So you should have pretty easy access to one shot. One six again, one net, combined with a Shard Shard reset on them. Then you take the knockout. And Echo Horn, you will uh, easily take two free prizes with Shard as well. So essentially you have to spend four turns to, to knock out something. Which are being able to like swoop in in the late game. Um, obviously, like it all depends on how you open. Maybe you have awkward lost zones and stuff. Like maybe, maybe six agi in the record ends up in the lost zone, right? And then it gets more difficult. But if you have the cards in the deck, then you have more outs, and it makes it way easier. Um, but blizzard though is uh, is is a rough one. What um, what Gudra and Droludon is is about the same in, in difficulty level I think uh, may be a little bit more difficult than Gudra because you don't have that one shot option with which are there mm-hmm. um, but uh, there that's a match where like the Echo Horns would be like crazy because then you can just ignore the uh, ignore the uh, completely and just like go straight for the archiest all game I think depends if they play Rod, I guess if they can play around the horn that way.
0: That's so hard for Duraludon, though. <laughs> the find I mean, rod, yeah.
1: Yeah. Tord? Uh, yeah. If, you, if you're going to do any changes, then Echo Horn and Sigsagoon is probably on, uh, on top of my list.
0: Those sound like definitely some of the changes I would have thought about as well, because, like, ah, Frogoon is so good. But, Tord, congratulations again on winning Peoria Regionals, because uh, people are going to be rooting for you. Are you going to be at any more regionals in this current format?
1: Yes, I will be. I'll be in Lille. I will not be in Salt Lake. Um I said before but I was just like really excited about taking a couple of weeks back at home. I've been I've been traveling a lot. I don't think I've actually been in my apartment more than a week at a time in the last <laughs> half year or so. So uh, it's uh it's it, I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy I get like spend two full weeks at home. Like uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. So I'll I'll take those weeks, and um, then I will do my weekend trip to Lille in uh, two weeks' time.
0: <laughs> Congratulations on also being at home for a couple of weeks. Uh, if the people want more of you, we already alluded to some of it at the beginning, but if people want more of you, where can they find you and any shout-outs that you have?
1: Uh, shout-outs to uh, TCG Park, uh, my, my partner and where I stream. Um, shout out to uh to all my friends my family shout out to my girlfriend and the cross switchers uh, shout, <laughs> out. shout out to you as well mellow thank you for having me on thank you thank you oh i got
0: it oh you're the best <laughs> uh if you want to follow Tord, I'll have a link down to his Twitter below in the description box of the podcast app or whatever. And you can also catch the Go Live tweets and stuff like that on there. Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at mellow underscore Magikarp, And there's been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.